Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. IBCMusicFest.com. That's where you can find out all of the information about Indiana Bible College Music Fest 2020. Clinicians, seminar schedules, evening concerts, and registration. April 22 through 24 are three days that you do not want to miss. IBC Music Fest is a ministry of Indiana Bible College hosted by Calvary Tabernacle, and the conference is designed to challenge and inspire those involved in church music and worship arts ministry. The teaching staff includes some of the most outstanding ministers of music, directors, musicians, songwriters, recording artists, and more. IBCMusicFest.com. That's where you need to go. Right now, we're going to go all the way to the country of Brazil and conduct an interview with some missionaries there. Okay, maybe we don't go all the way to the country of Brazil, but we do digitally bring missionaries Aaron and Tiffany Anderson to your podcast station. And I know that you're going to enjoy this interview. You can just hear the passion for the work of God in everything that they say. So check out Reach Brazil on social media. By the way, I've heard Aaron's Portuguese is impeccable, at least as far as this guy can tell it is. Check it out. Interview with missionaries Aaron and Tiffany Anderson. Welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Bible College podcast. We are sitting down here with Aaron and Tiffany Anderson, missionaries to Sao Paulo. Did I say that right, Aaron? Yes, we said that right. Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so it's winter time there. Is that correct? Yes, it is winter. Which is mind-boggling for me because it is 97 degrees outside where we're at. That's the real that's the real temp. And the real feel is supposed to be something like a hundred degrees today, which is unheard of in Indiana. So welcome to the podcast, Aaron and Tiffany, where it's a a cool, what, like 50 degrees there? About 65 right now. It's warming up in the noontime. So high of 60. So tough. It's hard. We're, <laughs> we're laboring for the gospel. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up and then maybe some background of the church there in Sao Paulo. Well, uh, you know, our context right now here in ministry. So Brazil, we've had the United Pentecostal Church in Brazil for about 63 years or so. Um, Brother DeMerchant wasn't the first missionary. Uh, Brother Baker was. He came to the southern part of Brazil about 63 years ago and began to preach and plant churches. Uh, since then, the work in Brazil, which Brazil is a massive country about the size of the United States and land area, uh, we've grown to right around 1,100 churches uh, across about 15 to 25 states. Uh, so we're seeing great revival here in the city of Sao Paulo. Uh, we have about, in this area, about 30 churches currently. And that's where y'all primarily focus is the city of Sao Paulo. Yes. So uh, we just planted a church uh, three months ago in the center of the city, the first church in the actual city limits of Sao Paulo. Very cool. uh, and we also go around, we have about four Bible schools that we uh, teach at on Saturdays. They kind of function like a purpose institute. Okay. Like all 
Catholic school on Saturdays that will go around in the region. So Sao Paulo is kind of like New York. It's a city and a state. So mm-hmm. Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo. So the state is uh, pretty big. Um, it goes about uh, driving wise to go across. You have to do about 10 hours to get across the state. About 44 million people just in Dang the it. state. Which is larger than the population of California. So it has a huge population with about 30 churches. And the first church in the center of Sao Paulo or in the limits of Sao Paulo, which is a city of 12 million people. Man, that is incredible. So what what has that been like to plant a church? You're three months in. What are some challenges that you're facing uh, there in the city or there in the church, either one? Well, for the rest of this year, because we have so many different things we have to do on kind of in combination with starting the church. So mm-hmm. we're starting with just two services, two or three services a month until the end of the year. And okay. then next year we're having services every week. Okay. So we feel like God led us. Um, I'm like we were talking about earlier. I'm kind of more of a cautious, detail-oriented person. Aaron's more of a like, let's just go for it kind of person. (laughs) But we always knew we wanted to start a church in Sao Paulo, but I kept waiting for just all the ducks to be in a row, everything to be all lined up. And Aaron kind of just said, you know what, in a few weeks, let's just start the church. Let's start looking for places right now and let's get a date nailed down and we're going to, we're going to go and we're just going to start. So it was crazy because we did all the graphics. We did everything within like two weeks and started service. And it was crazy because um, a first time visitor came that service and then her next service, she got the Holy Ghost. And I think like this person already got the Holy Ghost wow. in this service. And like, what if she wouldn't have because of my perfectionism or waiting for everything to be so totally right. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not perfect, uh, you know, starting something like that. There's a lot of mess involved. There's a lot of logistical nightmares. Yeah, and sometimes you think someone's coming. And then yeah, people or... that are helping end up kind of flaking out. So we kind of had to go in the model of uh, less is more and let's prefer, uh, let's prefer the simple uh, instead of trying to really just overreach and overdo it and then end up, you know, producing a lesser product. Um, and in the three months that we've been doing this, we've had around, I think, 70 first time visitors. Yeah, which uh, is crazy. One service, there was wow. 28 of us and 22 were first time visitors. Like the first, like that was our third or fourth service. There, there was 28 people there. 22 were first time. 22 were first time minus you two. So you had you and four other people. And <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, so wow. it's, it's really kind of just, you know, stripped down like the gospel. It's just, you know, these are people that really don't know how to respond. They're not accustomed uh, to an apostolic setting yet. So, yeah. you know, we're going through that. That was, I would say that's one of our biggest um, difficulties right now. Yeah, it's like the church, the worship and like the altar call. It's yeah. still kind of everyone's still figuring out like what our church culture is kind of so what is it so what does a typical church structure the service now what does a typical church service look like for that church plant well we try to keep it uh very short we try to start because sao paulo is so big a lot of people travel uh two to three hours each way to work on the bus and metro and traffic is just crazy so we try to to uh, keep it pretty streamlined, which is 
which is unusual for Latin American churches. If you've ever been to a Latin American, <laughs> yeah, so, usually they're pretty drawn uh, out. <laughs> yeah, structure is pretty fluid usually. Uh, so we try to start. We start about seven p.m. Uh, and we try to get out right around eight thirty uh, p.m. Okay. So uh, what they have, what they call in Brazil, opportunities, which is like opportunities for people uh, just to get up and speak to and testify. testify. Okay. There's cool. so many people that will that, like yeah. still sing on the fly in church services in Brazil. Nothing's know? really, you know, planned. So we're trying to have, like I'm I'm curious, sorry to interrupt. Do they have like tracks that they sing or do they just stand up and sing uh, a hymnal or I mean uh, you piqued my interest here. But I mean a lot of times if it's like, you know, we're gonna have sister so and so coming up to the front yeah. and we're gonna give her an opportunity and she'll come up, she's like, I'm gonna sing this song and She'll turn to the you know musicians, start singing. She'll just start singing, and they're trying to find the there it is the the, yeah. the key. About the time and the song's ending, you know they're finally getting a groove going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's jumping around keys sometimes, yeah. so it, it's. I mean, now we're okay with that because this is what you know being a missionary. Yeah, it doesn't bother anyone else. Yeah, like no one else cares that that's happening. You know, because a part of what we do is we're not just in Sao Paulo. We have to travel all around Brazil. We have to travel around the states. We're a part of other people's uh, church services uh, yeah. and helping them in a different capacity. You know, so we don't arrive and try to change everything up and mess and mess with them. But for what we're doing in the city, because in the city, the culture of the city here in Sao Paulo is um, is a unique culture in Brazil. So I think it yeah. requires a unique. Uh, church culture that's going to be different than most of our churches, which are really rural churches um, around the country. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. This this it's is I try and keep up with the work that y'all are doing uh, via social media and stuff like that. But this is actually news to me. I'm sure you've posted it, but I'm so prevalent on social media and I just check it all the time. And so I, I missed the church plant, but I'm glad that you're sharing that. It's super fun uh, and super cool. So how how did you arrive in Sao Paulo? So how what is what is Aaron and Tiffany's story getting to uh, to that country? Well, about what five six years ago now. Uh, we came on AIM, and it was the first six-month AIM. That was the longest we could stay with our visas uh, in Brazil. And when we arrived, we were assisting the Coopers, who are now also missionaries. At the time, they were anchors, uh, and they have a beautiful property in the interior of Sao Paulo, about two hours from the city, and we were there. And that's kind of where we learned the language. That's where we learned the culture, and we just shadowed them and helped them there. Um, and I assumed like in America, you know, you hear all of the great stories about revival in Brazil and there is revival in Brazil. Um, but then when you arrived here, when we arrived here, we started to look and see, and we looked around the city and there's just nothing in the city, uh, from where we live before we started this church, there wasn't a church within a, about a two hour drive, um, wow. from the center of the city. So there's just massive cities all around uh, this area that don't have an apostolic church. Uh, so I think in that moment, way back then, I just felt a burden uh, that we needed to start something, that we needed to just go in and, and do it, that it wouldn't be easy. Uh, land's not cheap, rent's not cheap, nothing's cheap uh, because it's the New York City of Brazil. Okay. Um, 
And then this time around, since we got back from deputation, I really just felt more and more urged to, to, to do it. And then I finally felt God was just basically saying, well, what are you waiting for? It's not going to ever be perfect. There's not going to have the right, you're not going to have the right time. Uh, because a part of what we have to do is we have to juggle a lot of responsibilities in the country, a lot of responsibilities in the district, uh, in the national leadership. Um, and I was always thinking like, man, we have to wait until the right moment. And then I just really felt, you know, this is the right moment. And, uh, at first I was thinking, you know, Tiff, let's start at a, at a, at a, on a, at a city that's outside of Sao Paulo. That's a little bit cheaper. That'll be a little bit easier to start work. Uh, and let's work our way in. And I just felt like in prayer, God say that, you know, revival, it didn't start in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part. It started in Jerusalem. Oh yeah. Center to the circumference. Yeah. Yeah. And I just really felt that, and uh, we just decided to, to do it. And since then, God's been uh, blessing us. It's been uh, an amazing adventure. We've been learning a lot along the way, uh, but there's definitely a lot more to do. Yeah, we're in the, you know, very small beginnings. And yeah. we're excited yeah. to see by the end of our term what will have taken place. Very cool, very cool. Uh, well, you both are graduates of Indiana Bible College, which I think might have a little bit to do with why you're on the Indiana Bible College podcast. I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't y'all share with, with the listeners your most standout moment at Indiana Bible College? Was it a chapel service, a classroom, a social experience, uh, an outreach experience? Just kind of the most standout moment of Indiana Bible College in your hearts and lives. Um, I don't know if it counts as a moment, but like Sister Barkus's Women of the Bible classes, mm-hmm. especially the Old Testament women, um, she had a lot of lessons that I just really, really learned a lot from and I've used since then. And they, they, those moments in her classes are some of like, the best moments and memories I have of IBC. I mean, there's so many amazing moments and memories I have of IBC, but I'm so thankful for that class because I've been able to use that material and things that I've learned in that class. So many times here in Brazil, I've in lessons for women and teaching in Bible studies. And so I don't know if that one counts as a moment, no, no, but, absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. That, that really stands out to me when I, when I think yeah. of that. Um, for me, uh, I would I would say probably a two part moment for me. Uh, one would be a missions conference, one of the first missions conferences I was a part of. Yeah, uh, that was when I knew that you know God had really uh, called me to be in missions, and I uh, was and, and that was confirmed. And I remember just that it was something that stuck with me when I went back to the dorm. It was something that just didn't leave me. Uh, so it wasn't just a good service where yeah, I yeah. cried and then, okay, well now it's chicken finger fry. And then, you know, let's go back to the, let's go to the cafeteria, you know, and hang out. And, and um, we were dating at the time and I actually remember you yeah. talking to me about that. Yeah. And so. that was a powerful moment. I remember a missionary came through a younger missionary, uh, you know, from a, a, a sensitive area and he preached and I never forgot that. And I never forgot really not what he preached, but what I, but what I felt and there was a a resonance, you know, something that responded to me. Um, And the other would would be just the the shaping worldview that IBC has on its students. You know, we're living in a a very difficult time and 
uh, we have to have, you know, a worldview that's going to be shaped and, uh, in a a godly and a Christian way, really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we have to let scripture govern our worldview. Absolutely. So kind of moving backwards, maybe even a little bit more now that before, even before IBC, uh, how, how did you find, okay, this is where God wants me to be. Some of our listeners are, are even younger than the college age, but how did you find Indiana Bible College and then know kind of when you were called to IBC? Um, for me, when I was in in high school, I remember seeing an IBC DVD. Mm-hmm. I don't know how my parents got it, but they had one. And <laughs> my dad got one. Yes. And it was one of the older recordings. I don't I don't remember even it was I know just true praise because I was on it. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You might have been. I don't know. Maybe so. I, I was in high school, so it was it was, you know, probably five years because I came to IBC a little after I graduated mm-hmm. from high school. So um I just remember having like, wow, like I was watching everyone and just imagining like what it would be like to be at Bible school. And that kind of I think was the first time I really felt like an interest and kind of a desire to go to Bible school. Sure. And once I graduated high school, though, my se- well, my senior year, I was so stressed out about making the right decision. Like I felt the weight of like this is tendency again, huh? Yes, where it's like I can mess up my whole life if I choose the wrong place yeah. or do the wrong thing, or you know, this is going to determine the trajectory of the rest of my life. So I got really stressed out, and I ended up making the decision to wait a couple years and go to. Um, a secular college for two years before I went. And I said, hey, you know, I think I would need to be a little bit more mature. My dad laughed at it. And later, <laughs> kind of like, the fact that you said you wanted to be more mature, <laughs> that you were mature. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so but, then did you do the two-year bachelor program? Yes. Okay. So that's what I okay. ended up doing. Worked yeah. out great. Yeah. <laughs> also, just to add on to this about graduating from IBC, um, both of us graduating was totally in God's will because when we got our visas for Brazil, uh-huh. um, we got religious visas and they told us, um, a requirement for both of us was to show that we had theological studies oh, wow. from our denomination. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't have like studied theology at like any other denominations yeah. university. Yeah. Like the fact that we went wow. to UPC school and graduated we both had to show that we graduated too and had a diploma and everything to get our religious visas in brazil so that was totally i know everyone jokes around like it's not you know this this diploma is not worth anything i don't know some people say that brazilian government said otherwise didn't they yeah they said you have to have this to live and have residency in the country so and that's that's so cool to me because I mean, I don't think that either one of you realized, Aaron, you've already shared here, okay, I'm going to go to IBC, and then there at IBC, you feel a call to missions. So neither one of you knew that you were going to need or that feel the call to go to Brazil, but that you would need the training that you got at Indiana Bible College in terms of a physical diploma and to even get in the country. Yes. How God worked that out even before either one of you were aware of his plans for you in Brazil is is super cool. Yes. 
Yeah. So, Aaron, what kind of uh, what kind of pointed you in the Indiana Bible College direction? Um, well, you know, my my dad he graduated from TBC Texas Bible College back in the day when it was uh, in Houston. I always thought that maybe I would end up back there at some point. My sister and brother they're they're older than me. Uh, my sister was wanting to go to Bible college, so she enrolled and uh, was accepted into Texas Bible College in Houston. But then TBC closed that season, and they off and they moved to Lufkin. And then you know she was kind of like, well, I don't know, I don't know if I want to go to Lufkin. It's not in Houston because we had we had lived in Houston. <laughs> Uh, when my dad was at TBC, Lufkin so is vastly said, different than Houston. Yeah, I think I'm going to go to. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go to Indianapolis instead. Uh, so she went for one year, then my brother went the year after her for another year. So that kind of started the trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, I never thought that I would uh, go to Bible school. I, I fell out of church when I was a teenager, uh, and whoever would have met me my first year at IBC uh, would have seen. Uh, a, a process of a vast transformation that God did in my life. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't know that I was called to, to IBC. Uh, it was a kind of a last ditch effort by my parents. Like, wow. man, let's hope that he is saved and <laughs> let's just kind of get wow. him into a good place. To be honest with you, I was going to go to secular college. Um, and my last month of high school, I was expelled. I wasn't suspended. I was expelled from high school. I still graduated but I was expelled. I'm not going to say what I was expelled for, (laughs) (laughs) but it wasn't good. So at that point, lost all, you know, grants and scholarships and everything like that to go to secular college. My parents said, look, you, you should just give IBC a try and see what it's about. And I come from a smaller church. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, in a smaller church, I understand how smaller churches function because I'm from a smaller church uh, in New Hampshire. And we've been on deputation and been to smaller churches. And sometimes in a smaller church, you can feel very alone. You're the only apostolic young person in your school. Yeah. One of the only ones in your entire church of 20, 30 people. Uh, you know, and you could almost feel this, this pressure around you. I know I did. And I remember in church just kind of doing my hands lifted and, and song service, eyes closed. This was my way in which to detract any attention from anybody so that they want to pray for me. Yeah. I knew that, you know, if they saw that there was a waning teenager that's on the back row, you know, looking like a punk with his hands in his pocket, you know, that he was going to get dragged up to the front. Oh, the yeah, yeah. He was yeah. going to get prayed here. Uh, so I went to IBC. Business. They were going to make it their business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were going to make it their business. And I never liked that. I never liked being put on blast like that. So I went to IBC uh, my first year, and I wasn't expecting much. And I remember I was in this massive church. And I know that this isn't going to work for most people. <laughs> Don't send your kids. No, it's not. <laughs> but it worked for me. Uh, and I sat in the back of the IBC section. And I wouldn't even stand up in the worship service. I wouldn't go to the altar. Yeah. And it was the first time in my life that I was actually able to kind of do what I wanted to do, uh, which, again, seems disastrous. It seems like yeah. it would be a disaster for most people. And, it, you know, I don't recommend for anybody. Um, but then I remember my freshman year, towards the end of the year, there was a service and I was sitting in the back and I kind of had my arms crossed, like, you know, uh, I don't even know if I want to be here. And I felt something different. And I felt something inside of me that had been dormant. And I began to feel the presence and the power of God. And I went to the altar and I really prayed through and repented on my own accord. And that was the moment I think that, you know, my whole life just changed because nobody was forcing me to do that. I didn't, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
nobody was making me do it, but I, I knew at that moment that, wow, Jesus loves me and, and, and I, and I love Jesus and yeah. I can still feel his presence. And I'd forgotten what that had felt like. So in a lot of ways, you know, IBC really did uh, save my spiritual walk with wow. God for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And you also met Tiffany here. I don't the think she year, would have dated so. uh, that guy. Yeah, I never. Thank God she didn't come my freshman year. So that decision for her to become more mature or to wait to be more <laughs> mature was, you know, kind of comical, but again, God ordained. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure, definitely. So before we uh, started the podcast, we were talking, and Aaron, you said that you were going to write a book. I forget the name of the title. What was the, the title? Against all odds. Against all odds. Yeah. So I can't wait to read Aaron and Tiffany Anderson against all odds and figure out how this all plays out. Yeah. How how God did this? I still don't know. I mean, I'm. Yeah, that's another good title. Against all odds, subtitled "How God Did This." And then just have a picture of me on the front doing that emoji shrug. Like. I don't know. We could probably get an IBC yearbook of of freshman Aaron Anderson out and <laughs> use some of those photos. Oh yeah. Oh no, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> See, that's not under the blood. Photos are permanent. Yeah, absolutely. Permanent. No, but I'm thankful for IBC. I'm thankful for uh, everything it did for me and my walk with God. And obviously, this is how a guy from New Hampshire can meet a girl from San Diego, California, literally mm -hmm. the opposite end of the country. Um, and, you know, the will of God and their walk with God just combines and yeah. is going in the same direction. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it is super cool. So uh, another question here for you. Um, I'm just curious, what are you currently reading or learning or ingesting? So I read a book, uh, I'm actually in the middle of it, by H.B. Charles Jr. It's entitled On Preaching. It's a solid book. And he kind of nuances uh, the readers are leaders quote that we always hear. And he, he nuances it to say, leaders are learners. So I know the title or the, the, the question that I gave you prior to the show was, uh, what are you currently reading? But I'd like to maybe on the fly here kind of nuance it into what are you currently learning uh, via podcasts or audiobooks or book books or what, what, what are you learning right now there in Sao Paulo where it's winter and it's sweating outside here? Um, well, I think what we read normally it, it's it's very subjective to the season that we're in okay. um so there's a season where i'm trying to, where we're trying to gather information so we're gathering so at that point for bible schools uh because you know in the bible school here i'll teach the oneness of god history of the oneness uh old testament history geography um just the prophets a lot of different things the gospels um so i'm always referencing uh a lot of reference books in those seasons yeah. and I'm just, I'm just, you know, reference book and Bible out and I'm just digging into everything and I'm going, 
Uh, right now, I would say that we're in a different season. We're currently not giving any Bible school classes right now for the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been more focused on the church plant here in the city of, 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 of Sao Paulo. Um, what we do, and it works for us, I know a lot of people are very you know, particular with what they read, if it's paperback or ebooks. We have to mostly do ebooks. Um, I don't love it, but it's out of necessity because, you know, sure. I can't bring down 20 boxes of books from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 and the pecking... It houses all of those. Yeah, and the pecking order of things, uh, we have to be very selective with that. Um, so right now, and when, when I'm in Brazil, I try to read as much in Portuguese as I can. So okay. I'm reading one. It's a, a Brazilian author. It's called Heroes of the Fate. It goes through... Uh, uh, people like Brainerd and it's kind of giving short biographies of Brainerd and Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards and just a whole okay. slew of uh, Adoniram Judson and it's called Heroes da Fe in uh, Portuguese. I'm also reading right now uh, from Harvard Business Review, Emotional Intelligence. Uh, I'm reading okay. that as well in Portuguese. So I try to read in Portuguese because that um, betters my grammar in Portuguese. So when yeah. I'm here, you know, cause I haven't preached in English since probably November. Um, you know, oh, man. yeah, so it's all Portuguese here, you know, uh, so we really have to dig into that. Um, and I'm really enjoying those books so far. I've not finished them yet. And I'm also reading, uh, no God, but God by Reza Aslan. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's kind of a short overview of Islam, which is kind of interesting. I, I like things like that. And then also Nudge uh, by Richard uh, Thaler, which kind of talks about people's habits and basically um, forming an environment that can and change turn people's habits and almost it kind of it, it sounds a lot like manipulation <laughs> it just kind of is uh, but it's a really interesting book and I'm, okay. and I'm enjoying it right now that's just currently yeah. oh and on top of that because you were mentioning not just books but things like that help you learn you really are on YouTube watching historical things I feel like a lot too. I don't know if you have any specific. She blasted your YouTube habit, bro. <laughs> That's okay. Like last night, I feel like he was watching. You're watching like something about Stalin or something, right? <laughs> like a biography. Just historical biographies. Yeah. And like Otto von Bismarck and just okay, random. But he's always like, like he'll get like a like a theme for a while, and he'll watch and investigate that theme for yeah, like a, yeah. a while. Like a year or two ago, it was the Ottoman Empire. Like he learned mm-hmm. everything about the Ottomans. And so, you know, cool. yeah. and a lot of it, I'm also going through kicks of like uh, archaeology, uh, history, geography, the Atlas Bible um, by Zondervan. I think it's Zondervan Atlas Bible. Yeah. That's a that's a constant one I'm always referencing. So uh, because the Atlas Bible it basically goes in order of the Bible and you can read it side by side. And you can get a context of the the setting of of israel and of the bible and of where and what we're studying and i've done a couple of trips out there and that's really helped uh to just get a little bit you've been yeah it's a bucket list item i want to go yeah it's it's amazing because you really uh you know scripture it's like it's like a canvas uh and the canvas you know it's like a painting on a canvas and the canvas is the context it's history it's geography it's placement it's it's familiarity of the land, which a lot of times in the West we don't have because we're so far removed. We have a Western concept of thinking as opposed to the Bible, which was written in an Eastern concept yeah. of, of thinking. So I, I've really just tried, and I've gone through kicks where I've gone through uh, as much as I can 
uh, with history and geography and just trying to understand the time period uh, of the Old Testament and the, the moving sands of history, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that helps. We have a, we have a, a friend, uh, Preston Keller. You know Preston, I know Preston, and he's, he's a great dude. And he goes on the archaeological digs and I've wanted to go. He's at a little bit different time in life. I've got two little boys and a wife, and he does not have two little boys and a wife. And so it's a little bit different for me to just up and go to Jerusalem but I, in Israel, but I want to go back. So maybe one day we'll make it happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say to people, don't be, don't be afraid to go, to, uh, to go solo, to research, to arrive there, to just get a rental car, like it's all possible. You can do it. Yeah. You know, you can do it with a budget. I know like a lot of these Israel trips are, are pretty expensive, you know, when you go with the tour. Yeah. Uh, we've never done that, but we've just gone to all the sides. You get an Israeli park pass and you're just walking amongst the history and you're able to wow. take it in at your own pace and uh, really just research. Yeah. And dig out and See, I'm glad it. we had this conversation because that sounds way more my speed than going and having a tour guide. Now, Calvary goes, and they have an excellent tour guide. But yeah. this, just kind of walking around and exploring on my own sounds way more my speed uh, than yeah. than anything else. Yeah, and I think it's more of a, uh, I mean, we're millennials, so I think this is more of kind of a <laughs> mindset, you know? It's like... Say that word yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding, yeah. I'm kidding. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. We're podcasting about it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but that's what I like about it is that this personal discovery where you're seeing things, uh, you're stopping and you're going at your own pace. And there are things that might talk to you that might shout yeah. at you as you're walking by. And there are things that will kind of grab my attention and I'm able to really take that as I, as I go in. That's why I really like to do it kind of just solo with Tiffany, yeah. maybe a few close friends, but really yeah. nothing above that. We do a lot of AYCs, YAMs, next steps. We're always planning these trips of people coming down to Brazil. And that's not a vacation to me is to go on another tour bus. You know, I mean, I love these uh, AYC trips and things, but uh, I like to kind of just get away from the crowd. Yeah. And go at my own pace. Absolutely. Tiffany, what are you reading? Well, my interests are kind of different. Um, I'll, I'll like watch historical things with Aaron, but I love like, looking at biographies of um, pioneer missionaries and everything. So I've been going through this book kind of slowly, but the best of Molly Thompson, I'm getting near to the end of that. I don't know if you've heard of her. She was one of our missionaries in Columbia. I don't remember what years. Do you remember what years? Like in the fifties, forties or fifties while they were in war. And she just has some amazing stories. They're all short stories. Um, I've I've loved reading brother and sister Rodenbush's book. But right now I'm reading um, Sister Thompson's, Molly Thompson. Okay. Yes. Very good. So what, uh, what is outside of scripture, obviously, uh, one of the most influential books that you have uh, read either in your married life together as a couple or uh, individually? What, what are some of the most influential books that, that your brain goes to? Oh, man. Well, you know, I think when we got to Brazil, uh, our taste had to change. Uh, there's a lot of ministry that happens in Brazil because we're you know, planning a church. We also have three other churches that we're building in this area. Uh, and we're always ministering at conferences. And sometimes we're ministering five to seven times a week. 
preaching. So it's, it's a lot, you know, so in America, it was like, man, I got to preach once a week, you know, and it was very much (laughs) artisan handcrafted, like, you know, this is the one time it's going to be amazing. And then you get to the point where, I mean, you're having to go from artisan to mass produce, you know, you can't Uh be artisan and handcraft every single message with such meticulousness is that a word meticulousness i can't speak english anymore by the <laughs> way just say uh, portuguese <laughs> and, um, and you're you're having to just uh really gather from mu- uh, just a lot more sources so um the books that have really stood out to me uh i read one in september i got from a friend a missionary friend of mine uh it's called jesus of arabia and it's by andrew thompson it's not really widely circulated in, in America. Uh, this man, Andrew Thompson, he's a, he's a non-denominational missionary to the Middle East. Um, and his, the whole concept of his book is he goes to Arab tribesmen uh, and he begins to just explain stories of Jesus and the time uh, and parables and things to Arab tri- tribesmen who really, they resemble uh, the culture that Jesus would have lived and lived in, worked yeah. in at that time. Uh, and the perspective that he brings to scripture, uh, again, talking from a Western to an Eastern perspective, is just, it just blew my mind. Uh, I really, really love that book. Uh, is that I in Portuguese it, or is it in English? It's in English. Yeah. It's in okay. English. Jesus of Arabia by Andrew Thompson. I, uh, let some people borrow it. I've not gotten the book back, but I have. <laughs> I know who they are. <laughs> you know who you are. You know, I've not forgotten. I'm just kidding. I just asked my friend, I'm like, hey, you're bringing that book, right, to Congress, okay, because I, I, yeah. I want that back. I need to bring that back to Brazil. Um, also, I really like uh, I Am, The Oneness Pentecostal mm-hmm. Theology by uh, David Norris. Yeah. Um, I think if we're going to be strong in who we are and our apostolic identity, we have to understand what we believe. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people, unfortunately, and I've, uh, you know, and, and I would be included that even after graduating Bible school, that I can't stop with just my Bible school information, you know, introduction Absolutely. to oneness is not enough really. It's an for, introduction. Yes. It's an, it's yeah. an introduction, but we, we need to be serious because we're going to come uh, to explain this to serious people, you know, like yeah. we gave a Bible study to a Assemblies of God pastor here in Sao Paulo and he knew his stuff, you know, so I better bring my A game. I better know my stuff. Yeah. And at the end of it, I mean, obviously it's not us doing the convincing spirit. God has to, God has to reveal sure. and, the, and, the, and the scales that are over their eyes have to open. Um, but at the end, you know, he was baptized and he baptized his church in Jesus name. And uh, we have to just be really serious about theology and not just read fluff. You know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of fluffy books around, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cotton candy. candy books, but I would much rather have a big old steak than yeah. some cotton candy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think there's a time and place for some of the fluff books. Uh, one of those that I really enjoyed recently that I didn't know how I was going to like, uh, was letters to the church. Okay. Uh, by Francis Chan. I really enjoyed it. I think, I think what he's reaching at, and I'm not sure what his, uh, the level of the revelation that he has or doesn't have yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems that the direction he's going in is, is an apostolic is a restorationist direction of the early apostolic church. And I, and I really enjoyed that book. Obviously there's some things you need to take out and some things you need to be able to, uh, yeah. intelligently digest. Um, I also read the Bible. I like the Atlas Bible a lot. Um, 
the Atlas Bible brings context, it brings geography, it kind of puts you in the story, which uh, a lot of books really don't do. I like Barnes notes as commentaries. I usually consult Barnes a lot. Uh, also, Alfred Edersheim, uh, he's, a, I think, an older German Jew that was converted to Christianity in the late 1800s, uh, sketches of Jesus's life and in in, uh, Jesus's life in the days of Christ is one of his books I really enjoyed about context in the New Testament. And also he has a book on the temple and its services that I uh, really enjoyed. And if you're looking into missions and sanity of God um, by uh, Neil Ripken will definitely convict and push you <laughs> to okay. do more and, and to be more. Tons of cool recommendations there. Yes. Tiffany? What, what have you got? Influential books for well, Tiffany Anderson. Once again, my, my taste, I have my own tastes, you know, yeah, and maybe these tastes will talk more to the ladies or women in ministry or, you know, ladies who are listening yeah. to the podcast. But some of my favorite books have been For Women Who Are Called by Women Who Have Answered by Kim Haney. This is like her latest book. And I think it's the only book I've actually read of Kim Haney's, but it was an amazing book. It had a lot of quotes from um, several different missionaries' wives, from several ladies in our movement that are that were really impacting and um, and they'll push you in your in your walk with God. I think to go deeper. I love that book. And it was and called for women who are called by women who have answered. Okay, by women. It's a lot of different um, yeah. women in our movement. And then um, a second one is Sacred Privilege by Kay Warren, which is, you know, Rick Warren's wife. Mm -hmm. It's for women. It's, it's, it says it's for pastors wise, but I think it could be for any sort of, um, women in ministry or woman in ministry because it has a lot of good. I think it has a lot of good nuggets of yeah. wisdom for yeah. people who are interested. And then if you're into biblical fiction at all, I know some people are not into fiction, but if you are, um, I, like I said, love women of the Bible, that class. And so there's a series of, um, called Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. Okay. And it takes different women in the lineage of Jesus and it goes into each of their stories. And I really liked how she brought just different women that I didn't really know much about, like Tamar or like just, you know, yeah. Rahab, Ruth, some of these yeah. women that it just really puts into context how far out of the promise they were really? and how um, how they were brought in. And I just think it's amazing. I got one more. I forgot. Lay it on us. Okay. <laughs> um, and one of the biggest tragedies of Bible school was me skimming through some of the material just to get through it and not really oh, what it was. Say it again for the people in the back that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> one of the... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Was how I didn't take some of our some of the classes seriously, and I and I deeply regret that. Um, one book I really love that I began to really just dig out of and uh, uh, get so much from was Introduction to the Prophetic Books by C. Hassel Bullock from mm -hmm. Prophets Class. Again, it was one of those books I just skimmed through. I didn't do it justice while I was at IBC. Yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden, I'm here in Bible. I'm here in Brazil, and, and there's. Yeah. Like, hey, or, hey, we need you to teach prophets. I'm like, yeah. okay, what do I know about the prophets? And I'm not. <laughs> I know I have a book that I bought for a class sometime. Yeah. <laughs> and I began to go through the book and I was just thinking, I was just hitting myself. Like, why didn't I appreciate this? Like, this is a great book. This has so much 
this lays out so much context because a lot of times when we read the prophets, it's so confusing. Uh, we don't know when and where they're talking. We're reading stuff about Assyria and Syria and Edom. And we're just like, you know, our eyes are glazing over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book puts it all into just perspective, all into a chronological, into a, a timeline of context. And it's, and it's beautiful. And uh, there's a lot of books like that that I really like. The, the Apostolic Handbook series, too, are fantastic. I've, I've read through, I think, most of those um, so far. And those are just great reference books that you can use. Yeah. Do you, do you reread books? Um, I don't reread books like uh, cover cover to cover uh-huh. what i'll do is um i'll put references in the beginning of a book uh-huh. and on the front page uh, yeah on the front page okay. and um, i'll highlight things throughout the book and i'll try to organize the book so i can just pick a book up or if it's an ebook i can uh go through the highlight section highlight of my section. kindle yeah yeah cool. and i'll see the notes that i'm putting and i'll kind of have an idea so i'll reconsult books but i don't really yeah. reread books i don't yeah. maybe, maybe i should well i i I don't know. I guess I have reread some books in their entirety, uh, but I'm like you, extremely interactive with the book the first time through. But I always find it interesting, even in the reconsulting of the book, uh, I see where I was at in life. I'll tell you one that I reread every single year almost. In fact, I'm due to, to pick it up because I'm on summer break here, uh, but is A Tale of Three Kings. And every single time I reread that book, it's a little short one, you know, it's not real long. Every time I reread that book, it's something new and it's a new, it's a new highlight. It's or a new perspective on an old highlight based on what you were talking about earlier, that season in life that you are in. So I, uh, I really enjoy talking books. So thank you all for sharing uh, for sure kind of your yeah. heart for books and yeah. and just and just to be organized you know these are yeah. things i never really uh got until i had to be organized and i just began to organize all of my notes every sermon where i preached it uh what day it was what time it was and also just future material that i just uh-huh. go back through and develop you know these are things that so you're not behind the eight ball and you're not like oh man i have to do uh, you know, what do they call the Calvary five to seven minute? Uh, accent. I have to do accent. Let me go go on YouTube and look up a Stephen Furtick thought. No, oh, help us. <laughs> help us no, uh, I'm just kidding. But you know, so you're not like, yeah. you know, working like that. I hate working like that. So it's just like, I have something in my spirit. I have something in my heart and it's on paper. It's organized and I can reference it. What is, what is that process? Okay, so you've named two things that I kind of want to touch on real quick. Uh, number one, the, the logging process, because you've preached uh, five, you preach five to seven times per week when you're not on deputation. On deputation, you preach once or twice a week, you know. So what does that log process look like for you? Um, and so what are you using to do that? And then we'll come back to the next thing, which is your staying fresh uh, organization process. Um, well, my process, I mean, it's not perfect right now. I do color uh, coding on my MacBook. So everything 
that I want to preach will be blue, will be a darker blue, and everything that I've preached before will be like a blue orange. And, and then I'll a tag, like on your tag. file. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's also in a file of sermon files, but it's on my pages documents. So I'll have an idea of something I want, or something that gets my spirit in Bible reading and devotion time, mm-hmm. um, and I'll just kind of put the verse reference and what I'm thinking about this, and I'll just kind of go as long as I'm inspired writing it. Mm-hmm. And then once I feel like, man, I'm really forcing this, and I'm not inspired, I'm not feeling it. You know, I'm not feeling inspired. I'll stop because one of the things I've noticed is. Uh, you know, sermon writing and things. If you're not feeling it when you're when you're writing it, you're and not you're gonna feel it when you speak it. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be yeah. so so bad. It's gonna be like, whose paper am I reading right now? What, <laughs> what was I thinking? You know, so, how so, long does that inspiration process last? Sometimes it's like. Sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes it's just like like maybe thirty minutes. Okay. I've read some. I'll start digging it out. And then I'll hit what feels to be like the bottom of the well for now. And I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to store this away. I don't know if I'm ever going to use it. Um, And in Brazil, we're always called on just randomly. Like I'll be at a conference and I won't even know that I'm the speaker. And they'll be like, okay, oh, and Brother Aaron's going to come up and preach. And I'll find out, you know, 10 minutes. So I'm like, okay, uh, let me get Mm -hmm. through my iPad. Okay, color coordinated, blue. Okay, this one. All right, I'm feeling this one. And then I'll realize why, uh, why I had it. So that's kind of. Um, how I do it at the top of the page, I'll I'll try to list the date and where I preached it, just as a tab on the top okay. of the actual page document. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get some opportunities uh, to preach out, not five to seven times a week, um, but I found uh, Google Sheets, and I it's, same thing would be like a numbers an Excel database, and I just know just like you did, but. I, I was doing that, but what I, what happened with me is that I found that I wanted to to see okay which sermon have I preached where so without going into any other document just in this one Excel then I can find what I preached uh, when I preached it and where I preached it uh, which I found that to be really helpful as well. Um, the organization is something that. I didn't ever have a, a class about in Bible college. Um, so it's been kind of a learning experience. And I think as we've even seen here today, everyone has a little bit different style, but yes. it's important that you do it. It's so important that you do it. Right. Well, like Tiffany's style, she's much more organized, like, uh, yes, <laughs> like, I have, like, she's not going to get up and just flow and just know, kind of I have, like Google. Ta- like I love the apps, like Google tasks. Mm-hmm. List, like the is it list? I don't remember the name of it. Tasks, I think. Yeah. And there's another one too. I don't mm-hmm. remember. There's mm-hmm. there's two there's two Google apps that I use all the time. Oh, Google Keep. Google, Google Keep. Keep oh Google yes. So Google Tasks, I'm always like updating my different lists, like by priority, like to do eventually, to do this uh-huh. week, to do today, and I'm just like moving them around all the time and being flexible with it. I had to learn to be flexible with it. So that if I don't get everything done today, it's like, well, I have seven things to do today and I only got five done, but that's okay. I can just do these two. Yeah. And and Brazil will break you if you're a perfectionist and (laughs) you're not not somewhat malleable or flexible, um, Brazil will break you because it's like, you know, just randomly be like, okay, hey, uh, we need you to give uh, a quick Bible study, not a quick Bible study, but starting at 9 uh, a.m. and just go until about noon, okay? And that's when lunch is ready. 
three. And that's for the moment. So it's like, I have to have something there. I can't just, you know, I mean, that's a lot. So, but Bible school teaching has helped us with that. Yes. And the wide range of subjects that we've taught in Bible school. Because like you said, it's kind of like a purpose institute. And we had to teach Mm -hmm. from eight in the morning till four in the afternoon on one subject. Mm. That is a really, really, really long time. (laughs) So if you are not prepared, Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to be like overly prepared with tons of things to say, tons of good things to say. So it's not a boring class. And then also be willing to step out and kind of expound Mm -hmm. from your heart in a way. But it's, but it's so fun. I would recommend to anybody, if you really want to, to get deeper in scripture, start teaching Bible studies. Absolutely. Uh, start talking to your pastor about, Hey, can we do, you know, a Tuesday night group where we're studying the gospel of John? I would yes, really you like to learn so much just, teaching. Just do yes, that. I mean, because once you have to start teaching, you have, then you really have to know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, know, you can't just teach somebody else's thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Hey, I've got one last question here for you and then we will wrap up, but how can people connect with, uh, you, Aaron, and Tiffany, and then also the work that God is doing uh, there in Brazil. Social media? Do you have a podcast, or are you are you on a YouTube channel, or what? What's the? Yes, I know. Not yet. Know. We don't have podcasts I, or YouTube. Yet. We felt like we need to start one for Brazilians, though. Actually, and pod, like podcasts and YouTube channels for yeah. Brazilians in Portuguese. So, a part of what we have to do as missionaries is. Um, we travel around Brazil, we minister, we're, we're, we're very local and national in our context and actually getting international because we have six Brazilian missionaries that are in Portuguese speaking countries around the world. So like we're going to Portugal through the year, Cape yeah. Verde, where we have Brazilian missionaries. So there's uh, a lot of ministry we have to do is now focused in Portuguese, but we can't neglect the English side because that's who's, uh, you know, uh, giving and supporting what God is doing. So we have uh, social media. What I explain with our social media is like this: we have personal social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. You know, Aaron uh, Anderson and Tiffany has hers. Tiffany Anderson. We don't have a combined one yet. I don't know. Maybe we will one day. <laughs> okay. One flesh. I don't know. You know. Um, and that's kind of our 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 personal our personal social media is uh-huh. personal. We try to keep it as, as, you know, keep it light, just real, what we're, actually, what we're doing. Like, hey, we're grocery shopping. Hey, we're doing this. Uh, oh, look at this beautiful beach in Brazil. Look at this amazing thing, the food, you know, that kind of stuff is on our personal. Then we have our ministry uh, ones. We have Reach Brazil, which is on Instagram and on Facebook. So I kind of explain it like our personal ones are like our B-roll, you know, and our uh, uh Ministry ones reach Brazil or the English ones that are explaining kind of periodically what's been going on this week, where we are, what we're doing and results. And, you know, I don't like doing the results and never have liked doing the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, this many got the Holy Ghost, this many got baptized and all this kind of thing. But uh, being in missions, you, you kind of have to do it because, yeah. you know, otherwise people won't know what's happening. So you have to keep good numbers and, you know, obviously you have to do some uh, checking that it doesn't become a, uh, a parade, yeah, sure. or a measurement of your success or right. failure as a missionary. Yeah. Um, yeah, so our social media we also have on in Brazil, we have a Portuguese one uh, that's ePubi, 
uh, IPUB. That's what people okay. in Portuguese. IPUB, SCP, which SP is Sao Paulo. Uh, that's all of our Portuguese. So we did this this year where we kind of separated, because Reach Brazil, we were doing English and Portuguese. So we kind of separated to where Reach Brazil is now English and IPUB Sao Paulo is Portuguese. Uh, in the future, we do want to roll out, and I've been feeling to roll out uh, podcasts uh, in Portuguese. I don't know about English yet, but Portuguese yeah. uh, for sure, because we don't have anything like that. We don't have good YouTube cha- YouTube channels uh, in Brazil. Yeah, and just go through doctrine, go through basics of who we are, what we believe. That would be awesome. Good creative content. Brazil is uh, not a third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very much a developed country and yeah. uh, amazing and uh, we need aimers that could help us uh, honestly creatives make the best aimers right now yes. um, people that can do websites people that can film people that can edit people that can uh, set up podcasts and know how to edit all of that um, I know that those are sometimes the forgotten uh, people in ministry but you know we have a lot of preachers. Uh, we don't have a lot of people that know what they're doing yeah. in media sphere, which is very, very important, especially in Brazil, where Brazil after America, I think, is the number two consumer of Facebook, YouTube. Wow. Media, like everyone's on Facebook. So it's I very good. Cool. that fact. That's super neat. Definitely neat. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you so much for your time. I'll be sure and link all of what we just talked about, y'all's social media, into our show notes to make it easy for all of our listeners to find. So thank you again for your time. God bless. Thank you so much. Thank you. IndianaBibleCollege.org forward slash connect. That's where you want to visit in order to find out more information about our preview weekend IBC Connect. Classes, chapel, and more are all opened up for attendees of this event, and availability is becoming scarce. That is, of course, to say that registration is filling up quickly. So do not wait to register for this event or to tell someone that you think might need to just preview Indiana Bible College. This life-changing weekend will be amazing. IBC Connect, your chance to see what Bible College is all about. Good news for all you listeners out there who would love to continue your education with Indiana Bible College, but simply can't make the trip to Indianapolis to do so. The Indiana Bible College Distance Learning Program is now accepting students who would like to continue their education, complete a degree, or just get an advanced certificate of studies. For more information on this and more about the distance learning program, visit www.ibcdl.com.